So most of you know that I work for the National Federation of State High School Associations, and you may or may not know that I got to attend the NFL Combine this past year with our social media team. This was an unreal experience, but there's actually one specific thing that stuck out to me, uh, and it wasn't meeting future NFL stars or going behind the scenes with some of the most famous NFL analysts. No, the craziest thing that happened was that I found someone to come on this podcast that wasn't a football player. Two of my coworkers, shout out Jason and Kyle, knew I do this podcast, which is not affiliated with the NFHS. Probably have to say that for legal purposes. But my coworkers met this random woman who is an on-air personality. She's a coach, a former USC and professional track athlete, and a world champion medalist. And on top of all of that, her relationship with Jesus is on display wherever she goes. And I never even met her at the combine, but they started talking and she wanted to come on the show. So we set it up. I can't even describe what the chances are of that. <laughs> with that being said, Candace Davis Price comes on today to talk about turning our failures into lessons what she's learned about failure in her life, and what she recommends to all athletes when it comes to failure. Throughout our conversation, you'll notice that Candace is motivating. She's driven, and she has so much great advice for all that listen on how to incorporate Jesus into sports, even through failure. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Competing for Christ podcast. I'm your host, Ken Burke, and today we get to talk to Candace Davis-Price. Candace, thank you so much for coming on the show. How are you doing? I am fantastic. It is 68 degrees in Ann Arbor, Michigan. It has been cold, um, so I'm excited that it's warming up in the Midwest. Absolutely, yeah. As someone that now lives in the Midwest, I thoroughly agree with that statement. But <laughs> We're all finally starting to thaw out a little bit. Oh, goodness, I know. I know. But... <laughs> Finally. Uh, Candace, as we get it going today, can you please share some of your background as an athlete and uh, as a Christian in sports? Absolutely. So I'm, I mean, I was truly blessed with this talent and um, I've always been very grateful for that. And I've always recognized that. I like to think, I guess I could have done anything in the sense that there, if there was a will, there was a way. And I was deemed this real hyperactive, energetic, what they call nowadays ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just got an opportunity to get out there, beat, beat up on the boys when I was in elementary school. Somebody recognized my talent and was like, yeah, your daughter's pretty good. My mom's like, I'm just trying to get her to clean her room. And um, <laughs> my mom was really the one that was like, well, maybe this will be a good way to get the energy out. And it just turned, it ended up being track and field. Um, so I say that to say, I feel blessed as an athlete. I, I would have loved to do anything. Track just kind of was the best way to beat up on boys and get the energy out. That's awesome. That is so awesome. And I would love to just know, you know, more of your background. Obviously you went to USC, but how did, how was that journey for you from USC to competing nationally and internationally? Right. So uh, growing up in Ann Arbor, 
you get a little bit of that professional realm already. So I went to high school at Pioneer High School, directly across the street from the big house. I grew up, Maze and Blue was like life to me. Tom Brady was a quarterback at the time. We're like, who's Tom Brady? Wow. That guy? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it became, I mean, my, my, my grandfather's had tickets to the games for like over 45 years. So that was like indoctrinating me in the culture was like being an athlete. And looking back, I don't know if it was so Michigan as, as it was being an elite athlete. So that was something I was kind of always striving for. And it was in my backyard. So it was a little bit more normalized. Um, so I ended up being really good in Michigan, which is difficult to do in Michigan. As we discussed, the weather is never good for track and field. It's like August when the track and field season's over. So uh, I was able to run in sleet and snow pretty fast times, which caught the eye of the West Coast because they're like, wait, if she's running similar times to our athletes who have sunshine all year, all year and it was really that grit of being in cold snowy weather not to mention i woke up at five in the morning to go to seminary in the morning which was is like a bible study and that was four years i spent a lot of time drooling in isaiah and if it wasn't for like three different seminary teachers i'd still be trying to put that together so that was a big push too it was tough to practice all day train all day get up and go to church in the morning um and be enthused about everything you were doing uh, that just kind of springboarded me into USC, which presented some um, incredible circumstances and also some very challenging circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. And you just mentioned seminary right there. How did your faith play a role as an athlete? It became almost addicting in the way that I was obsessed with obedience. And I just credited my success to being obedient because I'm like, am I really that good? I mean, all of us athletes are, am I really that good? Am I that fast? Am I that, those, those self doubts, but I'm like, well, if I go to seminary and I go to Sunday school and I do these things that kind of give me, um, you know, that competitive nature as well. And I felt good about doing it. And it just made me whole, you know, I've seen on a lot of your, your, your podcasts that people say it made them whole. And when you're young, you don't know that it's making you whole. You're totally taking the gospel for granted. Um, you're taught, you know, how Jesus is his pillar, but it's not really until you lose that do you recognize how great that is. So I had um, a mother and a grandmother who physically drugged me out of the bed to make sure I went there. And um, that that did give me foundation. But as we've discussed later on in life, when that kind of started, I, I started to veer, steer the ship a different way. I didn't realize how important it was. What was, you, you obviously you went to USC for, for track and field. What was the most difficult part of that uh, journey for you? The most difficult part would looking back now as I'm so mature and have it all figured out was not <laughs> wasn't you know staying true to myself I wasn't really into the partying in the sense that I like to be the life of the party but there wasn't really the the drugs or the alcohol the late nights it was really like the consistent routine schedule I had the going to seminary the going to Sunday school um, I think I mentioned they have a student ward uh, at USC's campus and they're like if you have 80% attendance at USC you get to park in the campus for free well if anyone knows about parking in LA that's a life and that still wasn't enough for me to get there um, just not making the right choices and hanging out a little bit too late you get a sense of guilt that you we should as we all know you know going to church can sometimes pose some challenges that are imaginary um, we put those boundaries on ourselves, and um, it was tough because I'm in a perfect situation I have a track scholarship I'm at an elite school I got a church within walking distance why can't I put it together? And um, definitely poor choices 
led me to some challenging times, which fighting out of those gave me um, some real pinnacle moments that I look back on. Mm, yeah. You say you, you had struggled with you at USC and, you know, you flunked out or you had to leave, I should say. How was that for you? How was that? How did that play a role in you becoming a professional athlete? Yeah. So to just kind of catch your, um, your audience up, I pretty much got to USC, thought I knew what I was doing, gained a lot of weight, hung out with maybe not the best. USC football team, they eat a lot more than the track. Let's <laughs> just say that. And I was there when Reggie Bush and Matt Liner, so there was plenty wow. to eat. Um, so I, I, I fell away from a lot of my routines and I ended up not making, um, I was running slower than I ran in high school. Uh, what they call now probably was mental health issues. Um, now back in the day, we didn't really have those labels. You were just kind of pushing through and lost my scholarship and was kicked out and had to come back to Michigan. And that was devastating. It doesn't even begin to describe it. Um, embarrassed, uh, ashamed. You feel like you let a lot of people down, a lot of people that really uh, pushed you through. And there's no Instagram. There's no nothing like instant success. I ended up having to come home, get myself together. Um, my coach was like, yeah, there's nothing here for you. Why don't you Why don't you try a junior college for a year and then call me back? And I was like, what? Junior college? Not that that's a bad thing at all, but I had already kind of paved away. Wow. That's a that's an incredible journey. And you know, obviously you, you, you came back and you were, you were awesome at being a track athlete. But I think today, like so many athletes, we, fo- we, we fail. That's, that's just part of being an athlete, part of this life, actually. And I wanted to focus on what lessons you can learn from failing and from failure. So for you personally, how have fa- failures positively impacted your life? I think the failure, not I think, I know failures have become almost a, a bit of a drive. You know, we see these failures as failures because we've conditioned to see that they're not success. But from those failures, like you just grow exponentially. I mean, you are incredible. And I just feel like really that cliche, the phoenix that came from the ashes, you just appreciate your victory so much more. And, um, you know, redirecting myself back to keeping my gospel center, I I was no longer complete. I was no longer whole. And it was just as easy as like, when's the last time I got on my knees and said my prayers? When's the last night I, I was full of gratitude for what I already had? And it was like, as it was slipping away, was the only time I realized how much the Lord had blessed me. So you had a little bit of, of guilt and shame when you're like, man, you know, I'm not even out here living real bad. I'm just not saying my prayers. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm um, just coming home and getting, getting back into those routines, you know, going to church with my mom on Sundays and my grandmother. Um, finding myself in service. Another thing with failure, us athletes, we beat ourselves up so bad because the scrutiny is there. You know, especially now it's instant scrutiny. Um, it was newspapers when I was it. And um, I found that with my failures, if I submerge myself in the service of others, then uh, it kind of, it, it lets me lick my wounds a little bit better. Yeah. And Psalm, Psalm 73 says that you know, even though our flesh and our hearts may fail, God always perseveres, and that—that's something that really sticks out to me in the in the Bible when it, when talking about failure. How has God God shown you that He can use your failures for His purposes? The failure at USC, losing my scholarship, has been the most momentous 
and I say momentous like in, an, in a victorious way that I can always point back and knowing that I got through that, knowing like my faith that I didn't think when they talk about the faith of a mustard seed to move mountains, like I didn't know I had that in me. So I'm, I'm grateful that I had that failure. I'm grateful that I was able to find the joy in those circumstances. And just being honest, like we talk about the mental health and it's very hard for people to overcome. But I know for a fact that once I started incorporating, you know, my heavenly father and Jesus back into what I was doing, the burden just felt so much lighter. And um, that's what I can really, really testify to is that those burdens, they feel so heavy. But as you talked about, like, you know, Christ being on the cross, like he knows and feels everything you felt. So there was a bit of me like, really, you're feeling sorry for yourself? Mm. <laughs> so just, hum just, you know, just humbling. I'm so happy to announce that this podcast is brought to you by Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and without him, nothing is possible. He continues to help this podcast, and it would not be where it is today without his grace, his mercy, and his love. You can find him at biblecom especially in verses like John 3.16, Romans 5.8, 1 John 4.19, and really the entire thing. But make sure to go find him because he is the only thing in this world that will satisfy you. Do you think having that failure at USC, did it help you become a professional athlete because you learned how to balance that? Oh, for sure. There's, you know, when I coach, I just came from track practice about an hour ago. I'm like, bro, there's, I'm sorry, you what? You need time to go home to do your homework? I'm like, I got kicked out of a whole university, got myself back in with an only 16 percentage rate of a $82,000 private school. There's, there's nothing we can talk about. It gave me a little bit of street cred. It gave me some stripes mm. to be like, eh, you think it's bad? Let me tell you bad. And let me tell you about not giving up. Um, and also, when I called back for that scholarship, he told me no more times than he told me yes. And I kept calling back and I kept calling back. I kept calling back. He's like, and there was no, it wasn't a cell phone. You're calling the office. You're calling the USC <laughs> office. Yeah. Um, but God has just, he, he's lightened my burdens. And when I see others that um, they don't, they're not very Christ-centered and that's no judgment. I'm just like, you're doing it the hard way. It's already hard without being whole. So, you know, use the atonement that you have. Yeah, that's that's so crucial in, in your walk with Jesus because you can try as much as you want. You can try as hard as you want. But if you don't surrender to Jesus, I mean, nothing else will ever satisfy you. I think I talk about this all the time on the podcast. If your identity and your worth isn't found in Jesus, then what you do as an athlete will never add up to anything that could happen with Jesus. And not to mention the gift, he gave you this gift to be an athlete. So you think you're dunking, you think you're running fast, you think you're hitting spikes and, you know, pars. Like, he will shake the earth real quick and you'll look real goofy. You know, so the, <laughs> the idea of, like, the mercy that the Lord has, it's, it's comical. Like, they say God has such a sense of humor. He does. Like, I'm fast. Like, he's way faster than I'll ever be. So the idea of just like being gracious, being gracious for the gift, being gracious um, to be healthy. And I also feel like my success as a professional athlete, the glory was always to him. And the failures were like, they weren't so bad. They were tough, but you got over them. Um, people that are a little bit consumed by their sports, it's very difficult to get back on that horse. It's very difficult to overcome injury. It's very difficult to face people when you're not winning or on top. Um, and again, like, I just find that it keeps me whole and people will sometimes say, oh, there's something different about you. And I'm just like, 
praise Jesus. That's it. That's that's completely, completely it. And it's free. Like it's free. It's, it's free. like not a gimmick. There's no late night infomercial. Like it's free and available. So <laughs> Yes. That's so true. And wow, that's so good. And how can athletes in your opinion, use their failures to not only get better in their sport, but have that relationship with Jesus and grow that relationship. Finding joy in any circumstance. That has mm. been prolific for me. Uh, when you're immature and you're goofy, you think you know everything. It's just so bad. Oh, you just got it so terrible. But really finding the joy in the circumstance, something very simple as, um, I mean, when I was a professional athlete, I had boxes and boxes of shoes and spikes and so on and so forth. And now my son that, and my daughter that want to play sports, I'm like, you know what they got in Venezuela? They out there hitting baseballs with broomsticks and they mm -hmm. hitting home runs. So you're going to, you know, you're going to have some gratitude. I might have something, but you got to earn it. And I know that through my, you know, failures and finding joy in them, that's made me complete. So as a, as now as a parent, um, as a mentor, as a coach, I, I am definitely teaching the hard way. It, it's not easy. Yeah, that is that is so beneficial, not only as a parent, but for your kids, for your children. And you mentioned you coach still. How, how do you teach not only your children, but the athletes that you do coach? How do you teach them that failure is okay and failure is a really good step in growth? So, and that's interesting because my coach was a, a Christian man. He always had us, you know, we prayed up. And I'll just be very transparent in this new world when you say Christian and sometimes you're alienating others. And um, so that's been very interesting because my coach was driven by faith. So first I'll touch on, you know, trying to incorporate my faith with them is it's diff it's sometimes it can pose a challenge if they don't understand faith. Right. I'm like, well, you just got to have faith and you have to like brick by brick and push. And it's kind of like if they're not really having faith in other aspects of their life, how do I make them apply it here? So I really try to be like the greatest example of what it is without, you know, with tight roping that walk in a safe space to make people feel comfortable. And I coach teenagers, so I got to be dramatic. I got to jump off the ledge with them. So I'm like, oh, that's the last time you're ever going to do that? Okay, okay, I'll see you next week. I'm trying to keep it in perspective because to them, I remind them like, you're 14. Like, this is the worst day of my life. Bro, you've been alive for like really four years. That's all you need. <laughs> Well, trying to keep them perspective, and I do have uh, athletes of all different faiths, and I try and be relatable with why my faith is important to me, and it does not have to be your faith, but I need you to have something that's going to hold you accountable more than just me, and um, I need something that's when you're, you're feeling incomplete is going to make you whole. So if that means you're meditating, if that means you're you know praying five times a day, whatever that is, like we got to incorporate that into what you're doing. It can't just be, I have athletes that are fasting because they're holidays. And I'm like, well, that means you're going to have to work a lot harder because you're hungry here, literally. So making sure that um, that piece is relatable to them because of your faith, like you're diehard like me, that has to be something that's incorporated in you being an athlete. Mm, yeah. Wow. That's, that's, a, that was a great answer. And you've mentioned both your mom and your grandma and the family that you do have now. How is your family in your life kept you motivated as an athlete? So today I got out there and ran eight hurdles and I'm probably going to have a disc slipping out my back because the girl was like, I don't know. And I'm like, all right, I can show you better. And I was like, I start, I was like, oh, I'm just going over the first hurdle. Next thing I know, I'm eight hurdles down the track. Like, <sighs> <laughs> so I'm more of a lead by example than mouth because uh, mm. 
I'm that person too. I'm like, you don't, the parent, don't come tell me and you're barely at Planet Fitness. Like, I don't need, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. I would never come to Ford Motor Companies and tell them how to put a car together. Please don't come to my, you know what I mean? Um, so with my athletes, I have to, and my family, I just got to show them. Um, with my kids in the car in the morning at the bus stop, we're praying and that the prayers are very interesting now. And I want to be very transparent because I'm saying things like, if you are in a harmful situation, please be comforted because the fears of now sending kids to kids to school and them not coming home is a reality. And I tell my daughter, I'm like, you pray and you feel comfort and I can't control the outcome. But if you feel comfort in that moment, you will be all right. And uh, that's a thing. The days that we're not praying, we're running late. So I'm screaming at someone, oatmeal's flying somewhere in my back seat. So we try and making sure that prayer is something that is consistent. It's reliable. My three-year-old knows how to pray. Uh, and they're probably better prayers than mine, to be honest. I'm like, Jesus likes when you pray. So prayer and leading by example is the best way I can say that I am. Um, I'm, a, I'm a shower. I'm not a, I'm a doer, not a talker. Yeah, prayer, especially... As an athlete, as a coach, just in life, I should say, it gives you undeniable peace that nothing else in this life can. It, it you, you become so consumed with either joy or peace or comfort in moments that, you know, maybe are really trying at times, really hard times. But it just goes to show that, you know, the closer you get with God, the more comfort and the more peace you're going to feel. You know what I mean? And that has been the conversation like... I'm not going to take my kids out of school because of what's going on. Um, but I'm not also going to be naive to think that wherever I live, this can happen. So my 10 year old understanding, like, I understand mom, like I'll feel comfort. I find comfort. So at 10 years old, if I don't teach you anything, you're finding comfort in prayer. Like I'm doing one thing, right? If I'm not, if I'm telling you, no, you can't have Pokemon cards today, but you're <laughs> learning how to pray. Like I'm doing something right. So yeah, finding, um, like you said, the peace, and I think I'm, uh, I'm I'm obsessed with the comfort. Like I don't find comfort in other things. I'm, I've never been a drinker. I'm not a smoker. And we'll find this funny when my high school kids get me nuts. I'm like, you make me want to smoke a cigarette. And they're like, what does that even mean, coach? I said, I'm, I'm here right now. <laughs> but um, no, uh, yeah, the prayers. I'm I'm ups I'm um. It's healthily, it's an addiction to. I, I need that comfort. I need it. I I do feel lost with it. And because I've had. Some poor choices that I've made, I know getting off that, uh, steering the ship a different direction, I'm not trying to go back there. I'm not, I'm not interested in testing the waters of, um, and I'll just be fair, like, you know, the adversary has power on this earth, and it is his job to destroy, and it is his job to deceive and to lie. So the closer you get that way, it's just hard to get to that light, and I'm like, nah, I'm cool. I'll stay prayed up. You need 10 times a day? Let's go. I'm down. That's... That's so good. It, it just shows maturity in your faith too. And just shows that no matter what happens, I, I think you're going to be so comforted and so peaceful because you do have that dedication and that faithfulness, I should say. But Candace, this last question I had for you, it, it really just ties in everything because obviously you described it a momentum, momentous failure in your life. How do you teach college athletes? Do you give any guidance to college athletes nowadays on how they can use failure and turn it into glory or turn it into something that's so good for Jesus? 
with the college athletes, it, it, it's the same but different in the sense that the high school athletes are 14, so they've not lived very long. But with the high yeah. school at my college athletes, I'm able to now re remind them of what they've overcome being a high school athlete. I mm. remind them, and I say this in a professional way, that I'm a really good coach. And I've prepared you in things outside of athletics. I've prepared you, hey, maybe, you know, a parent gets sick, a grandparent dies, something traumatic happens, go to your faith. A lot of my athletes have found a lot of comfort in journaling and getting their thoughts um, on paper and then reflecting them later. Because I'm just like, when you get to the NCAA final, no one cares about your feelings. It, you're in charge of that. There's no asterisk next to your name that says, oh, Candace Davis had a tough day. She forgot to say her prayers. So having um, this level of composure and consistency of what works um, and remembering like we had some failures in high school. We, we you actually might have weren't even good. And now you're a scholarship division one athlete. So remembering where they come. And like I said, I try and connect with my athletes on what's relatable with their faith, regardless of it's different than mine. And remembering to like, you know, find heat in that. Yeah. Wow. Candace, this was this was awesome. And I, I think it. You have so much humility and so much guidance for so many athletes out there. I'm just, I'm glad you're a coach, first of all, but I'm glad you got to come on the show. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity. I'm glad you're doing this. I, I mean, I looked up at the combine, not even thinking I'd have conversations like this. So I think, it, <laughs> I mean, what you're doing is important. And if I was a high school athlete and this was available to me, I, I would definitely have made a little bit better choices. Because um, it's cool. This is like cool to do. You know, sometimes it can be tough to to stand alone um, in your faith. And sometimes it can like, you know, just be honest, the world is making it difficult to say, hey, I, I believe in Jesus or making uncomfortable. Let's not make everyone. No, this is who I am. This is what my faith is. That doesn't mean anything about you being right or wrong. This is just what I need. It, and I always tell my athletes, I said, I go to church on Sundays and I have Wednesday night activities. If I don't, you're going to have a heathen of a human being. So you better be very grateful that I'm committed to going to my worship like I am coming to practice. And they're like, all right, coach, got to get to church. Let's, let's get out of here. <laughs> I was like, if you mess up my Wednesday practice and we over one minute and I miss the song, it's going to be a problem. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, I'm, I, I think... Me and a lot of Christians are the same way. We need that community. We need that sense of worship. So I'm a, I'm a straight heathen. Not even. Amen. Not even Amen. Don't catch me on the streets on a, on a non-church week if I overslept. Don't do it. Well, Candace, this was awesome. Thank you so much again. I really do appreciate your time today. Oh, it's been incredible. Thank you for what you're doing. For all the listeners out there, please make sure to share this episode and subscribe to the show. It means more to us than you know. If you don't get anything else from this, just remember this. Jesus loves you, and he's going to fight for you no matter what. Talk to you next time. <laughs>